Yeah, the CDs, of course, are the perfect gift for every occasion. <laughs> so buy 10, have them all year to give out, party favors, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. It's uh, really my pleasure to be back here at WES. I've been here uh, several times to speak, uh, partly because I think it's an, an amazing and vibrant community that you have, and partly because my mother, Barbara Searle, is uh, a member here. But anyway, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Um, and I thought I would start off with a story. Uh, this is a story about when I was in high school, and there was this, this thing that happened in, in, in high school right across, it was on a bench, right across from the high school I, I went to. Uh, there was a guy, and he would sit on the bench, and, and he would say stuff. And everybody called him the deep dude. Now you might ask, why did they call him the deep dude? Because they called him the deep dude because he was deep, dude. And, and you might ask, though, of course, what does it mean for him to be deep? I have no idea. Because, I mean, this guy, he would sit on the bench and he would say stuff. He would, he would stand there and he would say, or he would sit there, excuse me, he would say, knowledge is the goal and knowledge is the impediment to the goal. Dude. And then you people all would be standing around, they'd go, dude, that's so deep, you know. And then he'd, he'd stand up and he'd say, this way is the, is the only path. This way is the only path. I will go this way, for it is the true path. And everybody would go, dude, that's so deep. And, you know, I had these friends, I had this friend Michelle, and Michelle was the kind of... Uh, you know, she was the seeker type, so she was always going to workshops and lectures, and she desperately wanted that depth for herself. And she would go, and she would just be so enthralled by every one of the deep dude's words. Whoa, dude, this is so deep, you know. <clears throat> and I was, the kind of, um, I was the kind of skeptical type, you know. I don't know, I don't know what was going on here. I, was this guy really deep, or was he just incoherent? You know, it's hard to know. And then there was another friend named Janice, and she uh, didn't seem to have an opinion, but she kind of liked to be along for the ride for the arguments that we had. And uh, so she would hang around. And one day, the three of us were walking along and, uh, to the high school, and we happened to see the deep dude, and he was on his, his bench, and he was saying some stuff, and there were people. And Michelle said, let's go see the deep dude. Let's listen to what he's talking about. I love this. And so he's saying his stuff. And we listen for a while, and then the, gradually he finishes. The crowd disperses, and we go over to the high school to sit down and wait for this rehearsal or something. And uh, Michelle was just bubbling. It's like, wow, this was so cool. Didn't you get that vibe from him? Didn't you? feel the depth in him? And I said, no. I didn't feel anything. What is it you like about him so much? What makes him so deep? And Michelle said, well, he's, I mean, he knows everything. He's read the spiritual traditions of the world. He speaks all of those ancient languages. He just, he knows everything. And I said, my computer knows everything. And it's not deep. I don't understand. That just means having lots of knowledge doesn't mean depth. Well, she said, no, well, it's not just it's not just knowledge of the outside world. He has knowledge of himself. I mean, he knows every nook and cranny of himself. There is not a feeling or a memory or an impulse that he is afraid of. He is thoroughly self-understood. It's amazing. And I said, being psychoanalyzed for 20 years does not make you deep. By that criterion, Woody Allen would be a saint. You know, no, that's not it. Well, she said, yes, well, I mean, not just self-knowledge. He, he knows, you know, he meditates. If 
for hours and hours every day, and he, he sits and he's in harmony with the universe. And I said, he can meditate as much as he wants. It's fine. But I look at him, I just see a dude. You know, he doesn't look like a guru. He doesn't look like a spirit. So there's no glow. I, I don't understand this. And Michelle was so frustrated. She said, look, don't you just, when you get in his presence, don't you sort of feel feel him from, from the inside? I said, no, I don't feel him from the inside. He's just a guy. Well, we were starting to get pretty upset at each other. And at this point, we kind of looked for, to Janice maybe to get some support. And she wasn't even paying attention to us, really. And we said, Janice, what's up? She said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I was just thinking, man, it is such a beautiful day here. And I have exactly, as it turns out, the right amount of money in my pocket for three small ice cream cones. And I, those ice cream cones are calling to me from that, that ice cream place down the street. How about we all go down there? I think that's exactly what we should do. And I looked at Michelle, and Michelle looked at me, and we both looked at Janice, and, you know, we realized she was right. <laughs> I was having a lot of fun time with the argument, but really, that's what really needed to happen. So we, we started walking down the street to the ice cream place, and, you know, Janice is just kind of, you know, she was one of those people, she's just kind of happy to be there. You know, she wasn't particularly invested in anything, and yet she seemed to be enjoying it all. And, and as she was walking down the street, she didn't see this, but Michelle and I did. We actually walked by the deep dude who was sitting on his bench. And as Janice walked by, you know, she caught his eye and he looked at her and he kind of smiled to himself. And he said to himself, dude, she is deep. <laughs> and he should know, right? Dude. All right, so we're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, about depth today, and uh, I guess I'll start off with just another brief story, uh, <laughs> slightly more truthful than the last one. Uh, you know, there's different kinds of truth. There's literal truth, and there's metaphorical truth. <laughs> this one actually happened the way I'm about to tell you. Um, I was on this trip to Turkey a couple of years ago. I actually talked about it one episode from it the last time I was here. Uh, but this was a trip I was with about 35 people. It was designed to be around spirituality. So we were going to spiritual sites, oracles, and uh, places where there's great spiritual power and doing meditations and such. We went to Rumi's tomb, um, lots of Roman amphitheaters, and, and, uh, and we also went to a water park. <laughs> that was important. And one day, we're riding along in the bus, and I'm sitting next to a guy named Bob, and we're watching the olive groves go by, and we were sort of talking about well, the purpose of this trip and why we were there. And he made a comment then that I have thought about ever since. He said that basically, you know, despite the tourist sites and the water park and the, and the, the spiritual sites and the meditations, what the trip was really about was, and I quote, hanging out with each other in deep ways. Hanging out with each other in deep ways. And I've been thinking about that comment ever since because I had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, what is it? I mean, it sounded great. You know, we're here. We're going to hang out with each other in deep ways. Um, we were definitely doing a lot of hanging out. I mean, there was no question about that. We had one time, I remember, we had a really early departure, 6.30, 7 o'clock or something like that, and we got on the bus, and we drove for several hours. Uh, we were down near the, the Mediterranean. We were up on this mountainside going up, and there was a rest stop. It was about 10 in the morning. It was time to have a rest stop. And if you've ever been in Turkey, you know the rest stops are very well appointed. 
They're just great. They had the most fantastic ice cream and ice cold Ephes. It's called Ephes beer. And it, they were just great. And so a bunch of us at 10 in the morning overlooking the, uh, the Mediterranean sat under a little canopy at a table and had ice cream and beer. And it was, it was a great experience. It was a total hanging out experience. Um, you know, but was it deep? I don't know, really. I mean, what, you know, what does it, what does it mean to have, to have spiritual depth? That's what I want to explore. So I thought back to that comment when I started getting ready for this platform, and I, I thought I would then kind of try to see how far we could get and see if I could understand depth any better now than I did then. The thing is, as I began to work through this topic, I ran into three problems. The first, uh, of course, as I think I mentioned, I have no idea what depth is, right? I think I can feel it sometimes. I even think I can recognize it in people sometimes. But if I try to define it, I can't quite, I can't quite do it. So, for example, back in, in the Turkey trip, we had some very intense experiences. We spent one night, an entire night, in an old Roman uh, bath. You know, there were hot springs and it was a bath, and we got there around 11.30 at night, and until six in the morning, we sat there and chanted and meditated and swam in the water and did all kinds of intense stuff. Now, that was intense. Was it deep? I don't know. We had another time when we had a meditation on this little tiny rock island, and it's a long story about how I got to where I was, so I won't tell you that, but the point is, when, by the time I got up to the top of this little mountain where we were going to sit for this meditation that eventually went on for like an hour and a half, the only place left was right on the edge of a cliff. And so, and I was so sleep deprived at this point that I was panicked that in the middle of this meditation I was going to nod off and go 30 feet down onto the rocks. And so I had this meditation that was, for the first hour, completely filled with fear the entire time, until there was this moment where I decided instead of fighting the fear, I'd actually give in to it. And at that moment, I've never had anything like this happen, the fear turned into power. It's like It was quite the experience. It was very intense. You know, but, but was it deep? You know, I don't know, a roller coaster's intense. You know, a thriller movie's intense. I, but are those deep? I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. You know, depth seems to me is something you know, it's what makes the deep do deep. You know, it's, it's different than just, than just intense. It's different than just exciting. And that's when I um, ran into the second problem. When I was thinking about how, you know, oh, yeah, it's the thing that people can recognize in you, and they say, oh, dude, that guy's deep. I realized that it, it actually may be that I am more interested in appearing deep than I am in being deep. You know, they are not quite the same thing. Which I think is understandable, right? I mean, who really wants to be seen as superficial? You know, it's like, think if you're sitting with your loved ones, you know, I have such shallow feelings for you. <laughs> yeah, I went to West today. It was great. The platform was so superficial, you know? It's just, oh, it's just great. You know, no. So, of course, I want people to, to, uh, to think I'm deep, but do I really want to be deep? You know, I have a lot of superficial things in my life, and I have, I have a deep attachment to them, actually. You know, I can think of several crime shows that, I'm, that are in my mind right now. I don't want to give up these things, so I have to give them up if I want to be deep. So that's the third problem, of course. Even if I knew what depth was, would I want it? I think that's a good question. So that's where we are. What is depth, and would I or anyone else ever want it? 
Okay, so let's, let's just take a little time, let's explore the word depth and see how we use it, see if that helps us. You know, this is, it's kind of an intellectual exercise, but it is kind of fun sometimes just to see how we use a word because it then begins to get at some of the feelings that are underneath it. Like, um, depth has a positive connotation a lot of the time. You know, the deep dude, right? The deep dude, that being deep is good. Uh, deep also means intense, you know, deep blue, you know, deep orange, deep purple. <laughs> anyway. Also deep, you know, an in-depth study, that's something thorough. Having depth on your bench is a good thing. It means that a lot of, uh, you got a lot of players who can step up onto the field. Uh, you can have deep feelings, deep love, deep loathing, I suppose. And when you're out of your depth, that's not good, right? But there are ways that we talk about depth that suggest that we kind of have a negative understanding of it, too. Uh, for example, we, you know, you can talk about being in the depths of winter or in the depths of a depression. You know, we almost never say it was the depths of summer, you know, or she was in the depths of a good mood. <laughs> Sometimes depths are just bad, like, who knew he would sink to such depths, right? Or uh, there's also depth psychology, which if you're a Freudian type, means, you know, looking for the kind of animalistic, primitive urges that are deep underlying us and that motivate our every behavior. Uh, that's kind of similar to like the ocean movies, you know, where the, the nasty, evil things are always in the deep. That's where they live, the scary things. And never mind that we in our society, we take our, our most feared criminals and we put them in supermax prisons, which are in fact underground, right? So we bury them to try to get rid of them. And then of course there's my favorite of all of these, which is, you know, when you go off the deep end. That's not good. So at the level of language, I think we have an ambivalence about depth, and I think that's not strange. Because I think we feel ambivalence about anything that's actually really important. Truth, love, relationships, intimacy, God, the infinite, virtue, anything that really means anything, we have ambivalence towards. Because anything that important begins to touch on our core you know, where our real feelings live. And I don't mean just passing, you know, fancies or passions. I'm talking about the real feelings, where real love, loyalty, fear, where all of that lives. These are serious feelings. They're, they're, they're deep, if you will. And we have an ambivalence about them because we can't, and we know this, we can't live real lives without being in touch with those places. And yet, we're also not sure we can live if we are in touch with them, because we're afraid they'll destroy us. So this ambivalence about depth, to me, suggests its power. You know, we really want it at some level, but we're also afraid of it. So if we're courageous enough, that's the question, if we're courageous enough, how do we go for it? What do we, what do, we do to touch that depth? I sort of made fun of this in the story. I apologize to those of you whom I may have offended by this. I mean, there is nothing, uh, I suppose there's, uh, well, I made fun of it, so it's okay to make fun of, but there really is a lot, I think, that we can learn about from knowledge, right? Learning from what the world and the, and the great thinkers, philosophers of the ages have told us. Um, I, I know, I'm sure each of you has something that you've learned from me. One of the greatest things I've learned from those people of wisdom is 
that wisdom uh, comes from having perspective. You know, it's, it's letting go of our identification with the things that happen outside of us and the things that happen inside of us. It's kind of like the ability to put a little bit of space between an event or a thought and our reaction to it. It's opening up a little bit of space to breathe, right? to respond rather than just react. That's when we have freedom. So I think there's a place for knowledge. Certainly, those great spiritual teachers of the world don't need to be ignored. They've been thinking about these things uh, for much longer and much more thoroughly than any of us ever will. There's also, despite my crack about Woody Allen, there's a huge place for self-knowledge, too. And by self-knowledge, I don't mean just remembering the intricacies of your relationship with your parents or something like that. What I'm talking about is, I think it's a fact that any self-delusion is going to hold you back. Right? If we've lived with any consciousness at all, which I'm sure all of you have, else you wouldn't be here, you have a lot of, we all have, a lot of access to understanding, to awareness, to wisdom about who we are and how we move through the world. But typically, we close ourselves off to that wisdom because we, we don't want to hear what it's going to tell us. We don't want to feel the feelings that are really there. Like we know, for example, when a job or a relationship you know, or some practice is not really working for us, but we spin all these stories you know, to try to convince ourselves that it's true that things are working. You know, we know down deep when we're causing pain to other people. We know it, and we know how much it wounds us. But we convince ourselves that there's a good reason to do it, right? We just delude ourselves. The thing is, you know, self-delusion, it only works in the short run. There's something inside us that has a natural tendency, I believe, and I think this is consistent with what you believe here, there's a natural tendency towards opening and towards growth, and you can't do it for long. The putting up of walls to your own self-knowledge, it warps you. It really does. And the sooner you are aware and honest with yourself, the more alive you'll become. If we block off those parts of ourselves, we'll never achieve any kind of depth. Because right? we're going to be blocking off the, a large part, or maybe even the, the hugest part of ourselves. We'll be fighting ourselves. And that guarantees we get stuck on the surface. I was also making a little fun of meditation. Uh, but clearly, I think there's... That's right, I'll wait. Actually, when I'm teaching, and that happens, I get to answer the phone. But I won't, I won't hassle you with that right now. I know it's an accident. <laughs> this is the age we live in. Anyway, the, you know, the practice of meditation, I think, you know, no matter what style of meditation you're doing, from what tradition it is, really the, the central practice is always about stillness. Even Tai Chi, Hatha Yoga, the things that are outwardly about movement, these are all about developing the capacity for stillness also. And, you know, it's again, our capacities for knowing are just huge. I mean, we are such sensitive instruments, sensitive to each other and sensitive to the universe. But, but most of the time, that sensitivity is just completely covered by the torrent of activity and to-do lists and thoughts and crime shows and whatever else it is that we've got spinning in our lives. I mean, you know this as well as I do, right? We are moving so fast, typically, that we can't see anything. 
And even when we slow down for a minute, as I'm sure this may have happened to you, it happens to me every day in my meditation, even you slow down for a minute, your mind still keeps going. Wing, 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 keeps the pattern going from the moment we get up until the moment we go to sleep and sometimes even longer. So there's a lot of chaos that stands between us and a real experience of what life is like, right? both in the real world and in our own inner experience. And the only way to see through that veil, the only way to know who we really are and who we are with each other and to have relationships with each other is to slow down, to get some space in our lives, to let go of the to-do lists and the errands and the worries about how other people are going to see us and how we like or don't like them. And I'm sure you know this, but it's good to hear it again and again. You know, the things that you think are really, really important will get done better when you let go than if you cling. This is just true. And you may have heard the Buddhist image about this, which is that, you know, if you've got water that's got dirt in it and it's all stirred up, you can't see through it. You let the water settle, the dirt settles out, and then you have clarity. So wisdom and self-knowledge and, and stillness, these are very valuable parts of a spiritual path. And I recommend them to you. But I think that's still not quite all there is to depth. I don't think you can say, okay, well, I'm going to check off my list, learn some teachings, you know, and I'm going to do some little self-understanding, and then I'm going to meditate, and I'm deep. Because I think there's something deeper going on. Because despite the images that we have, and part of our problem is that we have all these images of gurus and spiritual teachers and the profound looks and the kind eyes, you know, the fact is true depth doesn't look like anything. There is no pattern. There is no template. Matter of fact, depth, I think, doesn't have anything to do with what you do at all. There's another one. It's hard to get away from the idea that spirituality and that depth ought to look like something. But maybe, maybe depth isn't really actually even in you. And maybe it's not even in the universe. Maybe it's in how you meet life. Maybe it's in the relationship. Maybe, you don't have to believe this, by the way, you can test it out for yourself. But maybe there's a kind of an underlying order in the universe. And when you can feel that order and you're in harmony with it, in that moment, that's depth. Whether it's looking for a few more seconds into the eyes of your beloved, or whether it's drinking beer in a roadside rest stop. Maybe it's about being in touch with what's needed just like Janice in the story. So this is deep stuff, I think. I mean, I don't really know what depth is, really, but I do know that I want it, that I want that quality in my life. And why not? You know, I mean, if there's, if there's more out there that the universe can offer to us, why not experience it? You know, if there's more that our hearts can experience in relationship with each other, you know, why not live it? Why not open ourselves to the richest and most amazing and most full body and full spirit experience we can have while we're here on the earth? 
And maybe, mysteriously, if we want it enough, and if we're brave enough to say yes to that journey, maybe it'll happen. Maybe what Coelho said in that opening quote I read to you, maybe he's actually right. When you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. Now, I don't really know whether that's the truth or not, but what I do know is that the only way the depth of the universe could ever manifest itself to us is through what we see and encounter, and most especially, through each other. So maybe that's where it really all happens, right here, right now, with you, with me, with us. If you're ready to let your heart be touched by your encounters with other people, then maybe you'll feel what depth really is. Maybe it is just about hanging out with each other in deep ways after all. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>